by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. It is time now for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Our program today brought to you by Menard's family-owned True Value Store, Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. V's Flower and Garden Shop, Main Street, Waitsfield. By Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse and Perennial Farm on Main Street in Colchester. By your locally owned Montpelier Agway Farm and Garden on East Montpelier Road. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton and Derby, sticksandstuff.com. By Guy's Farm and Yard Stores, four locations to serve you, Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston, and St. Albans. By PNR Lumber, a family-owned lumber mill with all the lumber, mulch, and compost you need, Route 15 in Wolcott. The Willie Store in Greensboro, celebrating over 120 years of family ownership. By Dandelion Acres Garden Center, Route 107 in Bethel. By Poly Construction, a contractor you can trust where one call does it all. Gregory Drive in South Burlington. Telephone are open right now for your questions and comments about gardening. The 802 number, 244-1777, or toll-free from most anywhere, 877-291-8255. And right here is our host in the garden, Peter Burke. Hey, Joel. How are you? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, uh, this week I would like to talk a little bit about uh, fruits, fruits in the garden, and uh, what... Uh, um, what you might try if you haven't tried, and I'd be curious as to what you're growing and you're happy with. Um, but before I start, I'd, I just want to sort of shout out a big thank you to all the Vermonters who have participated in the governor's COVID program and worn their masks and taken their shots and made life a lot easier for all of us. Today, I am living up in uh, uh, Stowe right now um, while we're waiting for a house after the house fire we had. A couple months, no, a month ago, and um, uh, just driving up the uh, mountain road, you just see almost every restaurant there absolutely packed with uh, out-of-state plates and um, a lot of Vermont plates, and uh, it seems like we've turned the corner on uh, normalcy and uh, are going full speed ahead towards uh, having a, a you know a normal life again after the. And so um, all of us deserve a big pat on the back and a thank you. And certainly uh, I want to say personally thank you to every single one of you. Um, and, uh, well, it's been a lot of interest in, in the garden ever since. And um, the uh, fruits is a, a really wonderful thing to grow in the garden. It's a, it's a little tougher than vegetables on some respects. Uh, some are easier than growing vegetables, and but all of them are a challenge in their own way. Just like whether it's uh, broccoli or or lettuce, they they all have their own challenges. Um, we have a, a small patch of blueberries, about uh, ten bushes or so, and 
we've last year we had a one heck of a uh, of, of a harvest. It was a beautiful blueberry mm. year, and this year when uh, um, uh, when I was uh, back at the house and looking at the uh, blueberries, uh, we've always let the uh, the wild uh, strawberries grow underneath them that seemed to be a, a good mulch and didn't seem to bother anything and they both like a an acid soil blueberries and strawberries and um, this year was the first year I've seen a just a massive amount of little baby you know well f- fully mature tiny little strawberries oh yes <laughs> i i was surprised i was picking a few and of course the the wonderful thing about those wild strawberries is they are sweet and they are delicious they're a lot of work yeah, well pick uh, i used to go into my uh, my when i was a kid used to go into my grandfather's back field mm-hmm. and pick a whole quart and i think i covered a half an acre <laughs> In order to pick a quart, <laughs> my, my, my grandmother gave me the uh, the old uh, little wooden strawberry boxes, uh, yeah. the, the big yeah. quart size ones. She said, sure. "You know, get as many as you can." And yes. I would fill it up because I wanted to tell Grandma I could fill them up. And even picking even picking them by putting one in the basket and one, <laughs> one in my mouth, one, yeah. and uh, I would come back with a quart. But I'd also I'd also defoliate a half an acre. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to do, but who else was going to do it anyway, right? <laughs> you were just serving your purpose in the cycle of life for sure. I was surprised because usually the chipmunks are in there uh, uh, eating away, and I suspect when I go back uh, today that they will have uh, availed themselves of the the strawberries. They don't have to climb very high to get them. Uh, no, nope, nope, nope. I mean, they they certainly went after my patch of strawberries. That's for sure. Um, but the, uh, back to the blueberries. Blueberries is, uh, it takes a little while to get started. Um, so it would be something that you want to figure on for, uh, about three years down the road before you have a nice harvest. Uh, five years is probably before you get your full harvest. Uh, but, um, you know, you'll see flowers the very next year and you'll get some. Um, and it'll just increase as you go. The blueberries are nice that way is that other than making sure that they're fertilized and, and, uh, you use a good acidifier, um, in the fertilizer, uh, um, they're pretty much carefree. You go in once a year, cut out the dead wood, um, try to keep it down to about, oh, the most, uh, 10 canes. And, uh, you know, you can cut out an older one after a while and let the newer ones come in. But that's about it. Um, there are, you know, a couple of diseases that we've heard uh, a lot about. Uh, um, but the uh, the spotted wing uh, one and all that other stuff. But uh, for the most part, if you're you got a good mulch and you're feeding them right, um, you, you'll have you'll have good uh, you'll have a good crop. And, um, and then, um, well, other, other things, you know, just like that, uh, apples, and I always plant dwarf apple trees because the same thing, you figure two or three years, you'll start having regular crops. And, um, what I do is because I use those, those garden beds, I actually put a dwarf tree in a two by four bed just at the end of one, at the north side of my garden. And I planted one, uh, dwarf fruit tree in each one and I got them 
uh, up on East Hill Farm from uh, Nico. And um, I had a Honeycrisp. Ooh, boy, those are good. Um, and then a yellow, a re- very early yellow. This is August. We're starting to pick those yellows. And then uh, then a, a one that's uh, Mac-like called the Lincoln. And and uh, we've had, you know, we can, we can average between a bushel and two bushels, which is uh, really paltry compared to a full-size fruit tree. A full-size fruit tree, you can get between 10 and 20 bushels of apples off of it. And the bushel of apples about, oh, 40 pounds or so. Um, so you... Uh, you can figure if you have like me, um, you can get, uh, uh, you know, 120 pounds of, um, of apples off of those, uh, three small trees. And, and that just uh, is so wonderful. And I suggest using, uh, a, a couple of different varieties, not only for pollination, but, um, for, uh, for seasonal use. Uh, those yellow transparents that come in early, uh, make wonderful sauce and fresh eating. We use them in salads, you know, uh, and, f- you know, they're, they're early. So that, that makes them all the more delicious, <laughs> if I may say. And then, you know, your Max, uh, your Honey Crisp, again, a great eater and, um, you know, they're good for the dryer. We dry, uh, um, apple slices uh, in the in the the dryer, and uh, the uh, Mac like same thing. Those are good keepers. Keep them down in the cold cellar for for quite a while into it. And those those alone will get will you know set you on the path to um, uh, to coming up with 350 pounds per person. Uh, let's see. Those are take a little bit longer. So for the short run. Uh, things like uh, raspberries and blackberries, those and strawberries, those will all be ready the next season. You'll plant them, um, you know, this year, and you'll have a crop next year. Uh, with the strawberries, you'll have a crop for another two or three years, and you may have to replant them at that point, just depending on uh, how they grow and what kind of uh, growing culture you use. The raspberries will last uh, years and years once you plant them. Um, and the deal with them is you uh, every year, uh, for most, I mean, there's a couple variations on the theme here, but for most raspberries and blackberries, you cut down the last year's stem and then the fruit uh, uh, um, is born on the, you know, the second year. So those, uh, once you get into that cycle, uh, you keep them well mulched. And the same thing, they need a, an acid fertilizer. And don't forget to water them in, in this time of year. And that's true for all of these, your strawberries, your blueberries, your apples, um, and, and what other tree fruits you have, like pears or plums. Um, you do need to, you should water them uh, right along with everything else. Um, you can use a drip irrigation if you have a setup for that. Uh, but f- fruits are, you know, minimum daily requirements. Uh, you know, they're they're part of your diet, and what a wonderful way to go. Um, in the uh, uh, in the sort of um, what would you say category of annuals, there are things like ground cherries. Uh, have you ever tried those, Joel? Ground cherries. What, what are they? Uh, they're actually in the family of the tomatillas. Hmm. And they're uh, about the size of a cherry, and they're yellow usually, and they're they're nice and sweet, and they grow on a uh, sort of a ground like vine, and uh, 
they I've noticed them more uh, lately in the farmers markets and stuff. But mm. some they have some of them have a, like a pineapple flavor, and some are just uh, sweet. Um, you know, maybe grape like, uh, but they're um, uh, they're an annual that you grow mm. every year, so you'd have to plant them, and and that's that's you know one of their major pluses that you'd have the. Um, uh, a crop every year that that you could grow. You wouldn't have to wait for the bush or the tree. And then, of course, not to forget melons. Melons are tough. Uh, I'll have to say in Vermont, it's a short season. So, uh, like everything else that that uh, I I suggest, uh, whether vegetable or fruit, is pick your uh, pick your variety carefully. If it's uh, an 80-day melon, then you're probably okay. Uh, better if you can find a 60- or 7-day day melon. And you, um, now, melons uh, are a vine, of course, and I suggest growing them on your trellis just like you do. But uh, here's the deal. Uh, you plant uh, five, um, five melons on a four-foot uh, trellis. Uh, four or five, you can do one per square. But as you grow them, you're gonna pick one flower once you see it set the fruit. And you're gonna, you're gonna trim off all the rest of the flowers. You're gonna have one melon on I each get plant. You. Okay. And yeah. that way, you'll actually have a melon. Because if you let them, uh, uh, you know, if you let them, <laughs> you let them go, you probably have a, a, a bunch of little two-inch melons, but you won't get that nice, you know, five or six-inch melon. Do you, do you clip the vine past uh, the flower? No, no, I let the I let yeah. the vine grow uh, just as long as it wants, and it'll go up, you know, probably all the whole six or eight feet of the trellis, but just just keep it to that one, and then uh, sometimes the. A melon will put out side shoots, sort of like a, a cucumber, and you want to trim those off too. So keep them watered, keep them fertilizer, fertilized and, and trimmed. And you have to prune in order to get a, a nice melon that you see at the farmer's market. And you think, how the heck did they do that? And if they get a little heavy on them, you can take a, oh, any kind of a material or cloth or, you know, the ones that I've seen are things like a, a nylon stocking. You, you wrap it around and tie it up so it supports it. Uh, most of the melons won't grow so big that they'll drop off. But anyway, there's there's not only the watermelons, you know, those small. You can get them both red and yellow. And the melons like, uh, of course, the cantaloupes and, uh, you know, the muskmelons, the green ones. And uh, recently there's been a, a whole host of varieties of melons that have come from overseas uh, whether from France or Korea or you know just all all different types in Johnny's and and both uh, high mowing and then almost all the seed catalogs are offering more varieties and some are are uh, you know fairly short season in the in the 60 to 80 days so you'd be all right so that's a that's a fun uh, a fun challenge but it's it's not a uh, a big producer have you been lucky with them uh, are you talking from yeah. experience yes yeah. just just you know if you're as long as you're not uh, uh you know a glutton here, you know. If you're satisfied for one melon, then you're all right. I tell you, I've the best that I've ever done, 
uh, with raising any melon, but I'm thinking specifically the watermelon, uh-huh. I would get one or two, maybe twice the size of my fist, you know, much smaller <laughs> than a, a basketball, maybe the size of a softball, you know, a little bigger than a softball. Well, and it seemed for all the effort, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. it's hardly worth it, you know. I, yep. And yep. I, I mention this only because uh, the quick version of the story is that my mentor on my current diet, down yep. 11 pounds now, Cool. Tells me that uh, for snacks, just to eat watermelon. Mm-hmm, so I bought mm-hmm. a 14-pound watermelon Whoa. from Costco <laughs> at for $6.99. Oh. And I dare say that watermelon, the amount of flesh that I've eaten from that watermelon, probably mm-hmm. is equivalent to the flesh of all the watermelons yeah. that I've grown <laughs> over the past 20 years. <laughs> Although I can't imagine what pesticides and herbicides and everything went into the there, gardens buddy. that produced it. But, uh, you know, uh, that's one I never had any, melons never had any real luck with. They're a challenge. It's one of those things that you, you really have to want. And it's more of a, as a, as a hobby than anything else. But, as you say, I went, weren't you the one who was telling me me the dried melon it was just oh, incredible. Wonderful. So you know, so worth it if you don't eat it all, which is probably highly unlikely. That's exa- exactly what happened. I took my desiccator down mm-hmm. to dry some watermelon, yep. and I chopped it all up and looked at the pieces and then ate them all. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can attest, and we, uh, you know, because we don't have a big uh, spot for for melons. You know, we're we're, we're down to what 24 50 beds and there's not always a lot of extra room and uh but the we buy a box of cantaloupes you know when they come in season and they get cheap and uh dried cantaloupe i'm telling you is just like uh it's a ambrosial it's just so good yeah you know and i do it i don't know if there are other people in my situation uh-huh. but i'm very sensitive to the sulfites Mm-hmm. That are used in preserved, and yep. mostly the yep. sulfites are used to preserve the color, color. more than anything else. So mm-hmm. you know, you, if you go out and buy some dry bananas, you don't want them looking brown or apple slices looking brown. So they throw sulfites in. It actually, it actually suppresses my breathing. I become yep. very short of breath. Yeah. And so uh, I don't care what they look like. Well, they they don't turn color. <laughs> they don't turn brown because it, it, at any at, at the ones I do don't turn brown because I eat them quickly mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, that's the only reason why the uh, the ones that are marketed, uh, you know, by you know nationally, uh, use those sulfites. So if you have any kind of sensitivity like that, drying your own fruit in the in yeah. a desiccator is just a wonderful, wonderful experience. Yeah, yeah. The, my um, I have the Excalibur dyed and and uh, it's a nine tray and it has a rheostat on it it has a timer on it it was a couple hundred probably 300 now nowadays I haven't actually I'm just I'm, that's one of the things I lost in the fire so I'm gonna have to replace oh, it. get another one <laughs> well uh, my mine when when I go my desiccator my de- mm-hmm. dehydrator or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it is probably going to the Smithsonian <laughs> because I have one of Ron Popeil's you oh, know no. his very first you know <laughs> remember the the guy that invented the in- infomercial mm-hmm. set it and forget mm-hmm. it 
and I have one of his. It. I got one of his original ones, and it works fine. It just and the the house just smells like fruit, you know, oh, oh. which is so much better than cat box. Let absolutely, me tell you. absolutely, and and uh, my wife is especially fond of the the cantaloupe with uh, cashews. It mm. seems to be a perfect pairing. So um, I'll, I'll just say one more thing: if you use bananas, which I presume you're not growing in your own garden, <laughs> but if you want to dry bananas, just mm-hmm. lay them all around, you know, mm-hmm. the tray, and mm-hmm. then maybe even with a with a, uh, a syringe or but I just, you you just put a drop of maple Maples, syrup on the top absolutely. of each one Spoon and that, it on, yeah. that that yeah, that is a treat yep. to end all treats. Absolutely, so good. yeah, yeah. So then, if it's a little on the dark side, that's fine. Nobody mm-hmm. cares. Yeah. Well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, you, you're killing me here, buddy. I'm well, I'm I'll getting stop. hungry here. <laughs> I will. I no, will no, stop don't here, stop. Yes. Don't stop. I well, want you to keep going. Well, we'll let our listeners give a. You know, you can. One way to keep me from talking is to give us a call. You know. <laughs> well, another one of the the fine fruits that you grow is grapes. Now, again, uh, in Vermont, we're limited to uh, things that are um, will work in our. Um, in our uh, climate, and there are uh, two or three seedless varieties that you can try. You may be in a spot that's just too cool. What you want to do is to uh, put them in a place where they're not going to get the first sun of the day because in in that sort of middle season in early spring when it's you're still going to get frost but you get these warm days you don't want them to start up too soon you want them to to start uh, uh, a little towards uh, you know towards the uh, frost free days before they actually start going but grapes are well worth it and they're they're you can get a very good harvest with just a few plants uh, you have to ha- work it out so you have a nice trellis, uh, uh, figure in a bench under that trellis, and you'll have a, a great place just to sit in the cool in the, in the hot summer. And that, again, is, is something you'll have to wait a couple of years before you're actually, um, uh, before you're actually getting fruits. Um, my grandfather had a, well, it was about a 50-foot row of grapes uh, out in Ohio, and us kids would go out there and we'd try them out. And, of course, they were Concord grapes, and they were so sour. They, we were just like, well, who would ever want any of these, you know? <laughs> we were picking them too soon. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the, the grapes would be great, uh, great for all sorts of um, all sorts of. Uh, uh, jams and jellies, and but just uh, plain old everyday. Uh, uh, you can make a, uh, a grape leather in the in the dryer, and those are uh, it's absolutely delicious. Um, we have a call, Tom in Richmond. Tom, welcome aboard. What do you got? Well, thank you. Yeah, I have uh, Japanese beetles showing up. Oh I yeah, eradicate them. Yep, yep. Trap uh, the best way to go. Oh, absolutely. That's what you want more than anything. If you have a, a good-sized lawn, then you might want to use the uh, the the. Um, there's a treatment for it. Just a powder you get right at Agway or Blue Seal, and you uh, put that on your lawn, and then that kills the grubs, and that'll set them back quite a bit. But 
Um, yeah, this is, and I'm glad you reminded me because I, I had it here on my list of things to mention. Is it is time to um, it's time to set up your traps for for the uh, Japanese beetles. They won't be out in full bloom uh, for most of us in for another week or so. But if you're seeing them, yeah, definitely get those traps out. And uh, they say about placement and all the rest. I just say get three or four and put them wherever wherever you see them. Um, they'll fill up in a, in a week's time and make sure you get the plastic bags so all you have to do is tie them off and, and throw them away. You don't have to deal with the, with the bugs. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't want to hurt the, uh, the bees and stuff with oh, the seven worms. Oh, no, yeah. Thing. Absolutely. This I is, mean, that'll kill them bees. The, the traps are hands down the most effective treatment for, for Japanese beetles, without a doubt. And okay. uh, it was odd when I grew up in uh, in Ohio. Um, the it was uh, where, well, it was right there in the very beginning. And this is, of course, years ago when the Japanese first invaded. And my neighbor had a a, um, a row of roses, and they just absolutely devoured the. I mean, it was a the the wild rose, and so it was a hedge all the way around his land. And, um, they they really devoured it, and of course we we were we got paid for popping them in a a can of uh, kerosene or something, <laughs> uh, and uh, it was a fella right out there. I Matter mean, of fact, a young kid who who invented those traps, and uh, they used to be made out of metal, of course, and they had a you know a metal uh, bin at the bottom of them now you know it's just the two plastic fins you put the pheromone on one side of it and on one of those fins and then they just drop right down in and that's the one thing about them is they're not particularly agile once they hit and they go down into the basket uh, into the plastic bag they're they're pretty much uh, um, uh, pretty much gone you know they they can't find their way out of there. They can't fly out of there. So those those work, they're very effective, and you'd be surprised how many you catch. I mean, there would be hundreds in, in one of those bags. So, yeah, that's the way to go. Well, I thank you very much, and oh, sh- I appreciate your program. Sure, Tom. Yeah, thanks much. Okay, thank uh, you. I think right now we should take our break. Oh, we yeah. have our fine sponsors to thank in making this program possible each and every Saturday. And, of course, we've got more than another half hour straight ahead of In the Garden. Dandelion Acres is a beautiful garden center in central Vermont where you can find gorgeous flowering hanging baskets, annuals, perennials, trees, and shrubs. They also have an extensive selection of vegetables, fruit trees, and berry bushes and can also offer helpful advice to make your growing season a success. There's pottery, garden furniture, statuary, and decor from the whimsical to the sublime. Dandelion Acres Garden Center is in Bethel, Vermont. Go to dandelionacres.com for current operating hours and COVID caveats. Hey, Joel. So, um, again, on on the fruit, right, Uh, cherries is another one that you can grow. Um, Certainly there's a tremendous number of of, uh, cherry trees that grow wild here. It's uh, cherries uh, uh, 
a, a beautiful wood and and uh, grows up on our land. We've got a, a bunch of cherry trees up in there. Um, but the varieties that you can grow in Vermont usually are the sour cherry or pie cherries, as sometimes they call. And uh, don't be put off by the fact that they sound like they're they're a little bit on the sour side. Uh, they do ripen up and are fairly sweet and and are as, are edible for fresh eating. But uh, the main thing is that the, they're used in uh, old pies or canned uh, with uh, some added sugar. And um, they're uh, easy to grow, uh, pretty prolific, and um, uh, it's a great addition to your garden. Again, I would suggest uh, uh, going with the with the dwarf varieties. Um, uh, they fit so much easier into the garden, and and as I've said lots of times, is the most important tool in the garden is the gardener. So you know you can keep track of, uh, of um, all the pests or diseases that you might see over the course of the uh, the spring and the summer and the fall. That way you can you know make sure that uh, that they stay healthy. Um, uh, fruit trees, oddly enough, are not really much different than vegetables. Um, they they benefit from a good spray of a fish emulsion, um, and that does actually feed them right through the bark they, and through the leaves, that, uh, and that also helps to keep other uh, bugs away. Um, I use a, a mulch, and I fertilize them just like I fertilize my, the rest of my garden. Um, and, uh, you know, some people, um, well, uh, like to keep uh, the ground around it planted in, in beneficials, sort of like a, a flower, so they attract the bees and, and for, for uh, pollination. But um, since they're right in my garden, uh, they seem to benefit from all the the pollinators that come into the garden. We have a couple of lilac bushes uh, uh, right next to the house, and um, uh, the last time I was out there last week, uh, those bushes were just absolutely covered with butterflies. It's, and of course, the fragrance is is uh, just heavenly. It's really, really beautiful. So, you know, we have a lot of pollinators around, and we don't really rely on the on just uh, something underneath the tree. So the mulch works the best for me. Uh, it keeps, uh, also helps to keep the uh, any creepy crawly bugs away that crawl up and bores and all the other stuff that's around there. So I I like that. Um, um, that works really well, and and it's easy to go in and check and see. Uh, we actually had tent caterpillars on one of our trees last year, and I caught it early. I was able to, um, you know, get rid of the the nest and the worms pretty quickly. And that's the advantage that that I, of course, like is keeping the trees close by the garden because uh, you get you can see what's what's going on. Um, uh, dwarf trees are not as uh, long lived as uh, a regular um, a regular tree, you know, a regular um, uh, full-size tree. And now, it's interesting, and I was reading a, a fascinating article in Mother Earth News, is that um, they were showing you how to actually use a full-size tree and dwarf it by by pruning it, pruning the, um, the leader. And uh, so, you know, if you, once you learn how to do that, you can actually dwarf your own 
regular tree. Um, one thing you don't want to do is to try to grow an apple tree from a seed because they're not the seeds aren't always true to the apple itself because so much pollen comes in from uh, wild varieties that you can't really rely on, uh, um, you know, a honey crisp uh, tree uh, apple to give you a honey crisp tree. So you want to make sure you get your cultivator from uh, from somebody. Uh, um, well, we're lucky. We've got a lot of uh, local folks that do um, you know, both both fruits and, and decorative trees around here that are grown from cultivars, and um, that's what I would suggest you do is to find those. Now, it's interesting, plums, plums are another actually very, very hardy uh, uh, fruit and certainly um, well adapted to the Vermont climates, and there's a wide variety of both uh, uh, regular uh, plums and the Japanese varieties, and they're all sweet, they're all delicious, and they're all pretty easy to grow. Um, matter of fact, uh, I, some people actually suggest growing growing them in a clump because they they like the they like to be close together. So if you grew them, say, in a four by four bed, putting three uh, three uh, plum trees in that, so that they're only maybe. Um, all a foot and a half, two feet apart, is uh, a good way to cultivate them, and that's a that's a neat thing about plums, is they seem to to like that. And of course, plums are are easy to store. You can just plain old everyday can them. You can dry them, as we all know, makes prunes, um, and uh, you know they they're good for so many dishes. Uh, same thing is true as you can make a plum leather. And I'm just wondering, is there such a thing as a dried Plum that's not a prune? Nope. No. So that's so in other words, you take any plum. Every day, even at my age, I learn something new. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, of course, the, the uh, what would you say, the infamous prune juice, right, is, oh, I... is, uh, is, is, a, is a good option for storage, even though we, we don't like to think of it that way. But well, let me tell you, it works. <laughs> I discovered the hard way. I had uh, such a problem many years ago, and someone said, Prune juice, and I bought I bought uh, literally I think a, a, a two liter bottle, and I drank it all, and I said, "Man, Mother Nature knows her stuff." Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Although the uh, the um, would you say the hearsay is true? Right? Yes. yes. I think a marble statue would have gone. I <laughs> filled it full of prune juice. Yeah, yeah. Well, the um, uh, prunes, of course, just like most of your fruits, are are um, a great source of the antioxidants that we all need. And um, of course, uh, I've been getting the AARP magazine for for years now. And my my wife uh, always teased me about it because she's a good bit younger than I am. And I had a good laugh the first year that it came addressed to her. <laughs> she was like, say it ain't so. <laughs> no, no. Uh, and one of the things when they talk about health, of course, is eating plenty of fruits and vegetables. I mean, it's always the top thing on the, on the list besides not drinking too much or smoking and all those other things that we know are obvious. But um, <laughs> it... Uh, it uh it's a great fruit to to uh, try now i 
my son's uh, girlfriend, Yana, is, is bought a peach tree, and she's she's sure that it's going to grow peaches. But uh, I have my doubts. Uh, you know, she's over in Montpelier, where it's a uh, you know they don't have quite the extremes that that we have up in Calais. But um, and you might be able to grow a peach tree too. But yeah, we there's an well, not an immediate neighbor, but I know someone who has two peach trees. Oh, is that right? In their backyard yeah. up uh, in Mallet's Bay. So. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever eaten? No, I haven't. I haven't. And you told me I, you told me once that there's a place down in Shelburne, a farm, yes, that in which the fellow yeah. specializes. In? He, he specializes in figs, buddy. Oh, and and uh, he has. Oh, that was the fig guy, not the yeah, peach guy. That's right. Okay, uh, per, uh, Paradiso Farms, uh, mm-hmm. um, and he's. Uh, uh, Steve Calangeli is, and he's, uh, I noticed on his uh, Facebook page that he's now selling coffee too, so. Okay, well, well forget about the peaches, but yeah, my grandfather with the uh, figs in New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. He, he bundled them up in burlap uh, for the winters and everything. Yeah. But he had abundant crops, yep. and I, yep. I developed a taste for figs, you know. Oh, I, absolutely. You know, I, I even buy the canned ones, you yep. know, <laughs> you yep. know, in the supermarket. Like yeah. My kids used to ask, what is this? <laughs> exactly. But I loved them. <laughs> and well, and one of the the things that they did with the fig tree um, down in Boston when I was down there, I met a few of the Italian fellows who were growing figs, and they actually had the roots on one side uh, cut, mm-hmm. and then they you know they would lay the whole tree down and you know cover it with burlap and then you know, uh, bundles of hay and straw and to keep it uh, over the winter. Mm-hmm. Yep, now, yeah, that's how my grandfather did it. He, yeah. he, he bundled it up so much that literally if he had bundled me up that much, I would have <laughs> you, lasted you, through the winter. You probably would have. We, we have another caller, so let's go right on. Oh, this, is, this is fun today. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, you're on the air with Peter. What's up? Hello. I'm on. Yes. Okay, yeah, I'm here. Okay, your first uh, name in town. <laughs> I'm on DV, right? Correct, yep. yes. Yes, you are. Okay. Uh, I have a question about a lilac tree. Sure. Um, do you trim them at all, or? Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, you give them a haircut every year. Uh, you can trim off the blossoms uh, after they're done. Um, you can cut out any dead wood or wood that's uh, crossed over that's growing in towards the middle. It's uh, basically anything you would do for a bush or a tree that you, you want to uh, take care of. Um, they generally don't need much in the way of fertilizer or anything like that. They they seem to be um, uh, pretty low maintenance in the in the fertilizer department, but. They like a, yeah. a haircut now. Um, I just caution to be careful not to glow, to plant it too close to the foundation of your house, um, because they'll they'll grow out towards your clapboards and and they can create a, a, a you know moisture problem and on your on your house. So, you know, or if you're close by, make sure you limb them up on that back side where it's close to the to the house. But okay, can, yep. This this tree is about forty years old. Oh man, it must be and, huge, yeah. And it's got all sorts of shoots. Yep. Shooting up from the trunk. Yeah, yeah. Should I should I trim those out? Yeah, you probably should, yeah. 
you know, because the the shoots will, uh, uh, you know, you want to keep the you want to keep the branches uh, uh, so they're not loaded up with shoots because eventually they'll weight it down and it'll um, it it could split the um, you know split the the main branches. So yeah, it's good. I to, had to I had that. a split. It split about yeah fifteen twenty years ago. Yeah, it yeah. made a wicked a wicked good comeback. Oh, I'll bet. Yeah. And I had yeah, and I had a beautiful crop this year. But some years it seems like I yeah. have a nice yeah. lilac tree, and other years I don't have nothing. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you do a little pruning like that, you'll it'll it'll help you not to have that uh, you know feast and famine kind of uh, year on year off. So yeah, give so a, I can. I can tell my wife that, <laughs> yes, it's okay, okay yeah. to yes, trim you, the shoots. Yes, you can. <laughs> Fanta- fantastic. Thank you very much. Okay, you're welcome. Uh, and I love your show. Oh, well, thanks. Thank you. Yeah, well, I appreciate your call, and I appreciate your uh, uh, that, uh, that you like the show. That's a great thing to hear. Um, so we have Wild Bill, did you say, Joel? Oh, Wild Bill, how's that patch of grass? Well, it's it's shooting up a little few little sprouts here and there. <laughs> but uh no, I was intrigued by your comment about the uh the Italian fellow with the fig tree down yeah. the Boston Way. Yeah, yeah. Well, many years ago I would had one of my forays to Florida and a friend of mine had me do some work down there and I I took home this palm tree. I don't know I don't know what a, a cabbage pie, I don't know. But anyway, I took home this palm tree about four foot high, and yeah. I took the whole root ball. Oh, sure. And I brought it up to my old schoolhouse in Roxbury, Vermont, and mm-hmm. I, I dug a big hole, and we put topsoil in it and all sorts of stone around it and <laughs> planted it. And we had the only palm tree in, in Vermont, I oh, guess, on our front Lord. lawn. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> but then I said, well, you know, I didn't know any better. I said, well... We'll get some hay, and we'll make a little igloo around it. Mm-hmm. And we did that and put some plastic around the hay. And, well, mm. come the spring, I was left with a little slimy stub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just too uh, – I mean, for a palm tree, 50 degrees is cold. So nah, <laughs> we had that down where I used to live in Florida. We had 20 degrees occasionally. Yeah, occasionally. That's that's one thing. But but yeah, I, I was so ste- disappointed. Steady diet. What you want to do is get a nice size planter with wheels on it and wheel it into your, <laughs> you know, into the house for for the winter. As a matter of fact, that is a way you can grow figs. Is you can put them in a planter and bring them in in the winter. So oh really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they they tend to be fairly small fig trees uh or they they accept the you, you know the the pruning that makes them fairly small so well my grandparents in queens new york they, mm-hmm. they we had italian neighbors and they had oh yep. i guess it was about three or four but like joel said mm-hmm. they'd wrap them up in that burlap mm-hmm. every winter mm-hmm. yep yep yeah i saw that and uh you know more power to them i just i love those stories you know people who just uh, enjoy figs fresh figs so much that they go to all that trouble well like joel said you know they used to give us some and i developed a taste for them oh they're wonderful oh yeah 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 they're a great fruit and every once in a while the the store has them you know uh hannaford's will have you know fresh figs and i always grab a few of them just for memories you know for fond memory's sake (laughs) well you're 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 
your your little recollection chuckled me, so mm-hmm, I had mm-hmm. to call in. And say okay, more. well, thanks, Bill. I appreciate the call. Have fun. <laughs> uh, so that reminds me, uh, not not Bill's call so much, but Tom. We were talking about the Japanese beetles. It is time to start spraying your cabbages to make sure that uh, you've got your um, uh, either the thergicide or um, a captain's jack. Uh, or one of them to to make sure that you're um, taking care of the uh, the cabbage cabbage moth and uh, the cabbage caterpillar that just is a voracious on all of the coal plants, particularly um, your your cabbages and your uh, broccolis. Uh, the uh, kale doesn't seem to be bothered quite as much, but when you're spraying, you might as well hit all of them because uh, if um, if one of them gets on your kale, they'll eat it just as just as well as any other thing. And the other thing to remember uh, this time of year is to grab that sluggo and put it underneath your cabbages so that the slugs don't climb up into the uh, the cabbage as the uh, the head starts to mature. Uh, because they they love that spot for sure. They, that's just uh, that's a, uh, that's a heavenly for them is to climb up into the cabbage. They got all the food and the cool and uh, uh, that they want. So go ahead and uh, spray your your cabbage, all your cabbage family plants. Little sluggo underneath the 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 actual cabbage um, uh, before it heads up to keep those slugs out of there. And uh, let's see what other what other critters about this time of year the Japanese beetles and those. Well, yeah, it's too early for most of the other ones, but um, you do want to uh, you want to check your fruit trees, of course, if you have them. Uh, strawberries and blueberries tend to be pretty bug free for the most part. The blueberries can get that uh, the spotted. Okay, so we'll stand right on the theme of, of fruits that we can grow. Gooseberries, have you ever, have you ever used those or seen them? I, I, I've seen actually jars of my grandmother's gooseberry jam, but I never, I don't think I ever tasted it. <laughs> no, no kidding. I was, a, I was, all I was thinking of was the, the geese across the street who were the nastiest creatures in the world. I mean, this, I'm talking about when I was like, you know, eight or nine years old. Yeah, but sure. That I put you of, off. But I still, I still have the same associations. So I don't know about gooseberries. Tell us all. <laughs> well, my dad used to grow gooseberries and I never could understand why but uh they they are a a a very prolific fruit they grow a bush a lot like a um well let's see a bush so it's a little bush like a blueberry really um there uh can be a little bit on the finicky side you know with the the soil yeah but they will grow in vermont um you uh there's i'm trying to think of what else but they um uh the the gooseberries uh I have seen and heard of but I don't actually grow them myself but it's something that you like you know it's a it's a a good way to get fruits in your gardens just like currants currants are a little smaller and uh I don't know if you've ever tried the dried currants, you know, instead of uh but they're just as delicious I, as I, grapes. I love them. Oh, I yeah. love them. I, I, my my quick current story is yeah. that I've always loved dried currants and one year I bought a bag of them around Thanksgiving time and every year at Thanksgiving they 
my kids and everybody just loves my stuffing and I do have a secret recipe but one of the things I put in it are mandarin oranges so I have oh. so I had this stuffing and, all, and it was full of mandarin oranges uh-huh. and so I took a, a handful of currants and added mm-hmm. it as well and mm-hmm. I, I thought it was even more delicious yeah. not to my kids they saw these little <laughs> red things and I kid you know they'd have a big pile of stuffing on their plate and they picked out every currant you know <laughs> so that's my current story <laughs> Currently, <laughs> that's that's a uh, an experiment that didn't work. Right? Yeah, they do sell dried currants, but they sweeten them. I always try to look you for dried so? fruits that aren't sweetened. Aren't sweetened. Hard to yeah. find though. Most yeah. of them are. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, um, they're uh, they can harbor uh, a disease uh, for pine trees. So, you know, if you got a big stand of pine trees, you want to be careful with that. Um, so those are those are some of the things. At one point, uh, gooseberries were actually uh, uh, banned, and it's the same thing is because they harbored a disease that affected them. But it seems like there are varieties now that are okay. I so. could just imagine a police raid yeah, finding yeah. your stash of gooseberries. <laughs> All right, run them in. <laughs> Throw the book at them. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, those are, those are sort of some of the outliers, you know, in the in the fruit fruit family that uh, can help you round out to your 350 pounds per person. But you know, to come up with well, of course, for my wife and I, that's 700 pounds, and this seems like a, a heck of a lot of fruit. But you know, six dwarf trees, um, any variety of apples for sure, uh, ten bushes of the blueberries. Uh, uh, two beds of uh, strawberries, uh, a little 25-foot row of raspberries and a 25-row of blackberries, if it's a good season, is enough to get you there. Um, of course, you know, obviously you have your fresh fruit uh, during the summer when they're, when they're all ripe, and uh, only the apples will, will last in the cold cellar. All the rest, you know, you have to either freeze or, or make a jelly or fruit leathers or, you know, uh, or freeze. Uh, we freeze a lot of blueberries, and um, they're always a welcome and, uh, uh, and strawberries. They freeze so beautifully. One of my favorite um, uh, after-dinner drinks is actually just tonic water with with uh, blueberries and strawberries in it from the freezer, that works as instead of ice. You know, you put them in your in your drink, and uh, it turns a beautiful color, and uh, it's uh, it's a it's a great a, a great drink, good way to get your dessert and, and get your fruit for the day or for the meal. And the uh, let's see here, what are the fruits? Well, of course, melons we went through. Cherries and grapes, we went through gooseberries, currants. The ground cherries, I mentioned, um, I'll have to bring you some because uh, they're really, really delicious. I'd love to taste them. Yeah. 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 And, uh, again, they're an annual, so, you you know, you're going to get a crop every year. And it's, uh, it, it, um, it's a... It's a little bit. Maybe this will remind you. They're they're like the tomatilla, and they have that this little paper wrapper around them. Oh, oh yeah, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. And, and they're but of course they're smaller, you know, by the only the size of a cherry, mm-hmm. and that's why I call them, I guess, ground cherries. But um, yeah, I'll bring some for you. We'll we'll have to have a taste testing as we go along. Uh, now cherries, I I was checking out. Uh, 
of course, it's time for Pick Your Own, and it's been for a little while. It should last right up through the end of June, so we've got another couple, another good week, maybe two weeks of uh, Pick Your Own uh, cherries. Mazda do Pick Your Owns. Uh, well, they, they have the strawberries, of course, which they're most famous for, but I yeah. really don't know. I've gone to, I mean, there are several Mazda cousins and brothers yeah. who all have their own separate farms. I've yeah. just, I've just picked their, their strawberries and raspberries during yeah. the season, but yeah. I haven't, uh, haven't checked for, for cherries. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, strawberries we can still pick. Uh, blueberries will be coming in soon. I, my blueberries are, are green. Uh, of course I'm behind the schedule a little bit, so over there in the banana belt you well, probably have blueberries starting. I think we, they're starting already. We'll hear from Forbes on that one, probably <laughs> next week. You know. Okay, Forbes, yeah. you hear that? We have yeah. to know when the blueberries are ready. <laughs> and, uh, so that, that takes us sort of through July. Um, you know, the raspberries run, you know, late June to, to late July, uh, along with the blackberries. So this is nice, you know, you can, you can plan your, your picking, your plan, your planting, uh, so that you, you always have some fresh fruits to, to pick and to, to eat and then to freeze as you go along. And that's kind of the way you do succession planting. Uh, strawberries, uh, like raspberries, you can get an early variety of strawberry. You can get an ever-bearing uh, one that bears strawberries right along. They're less productive, but you have them, you know, right along through the season. And then you can get a late-bearing variety of strawberry. And the same thing with raspberries. You can get an early and a late-bearing raspberry. And that, um, you know, those are important parts of the keeping your succession of, of fresh fruits, fresh Fresh, just like fresh vegetables, when we were talking about with the the lettuce and planting, you know, a little bit uh, frequently. Um, this way, you get a succession, so you have a good uh, um, good fresh fruit right on through the through the through the summer from early June right on till well, really September with your with your uh, apples. Well, the um, the old saying goes, "Speak of the devil." <laughs> hey, Forbes! Don't, don't be insulted, though, to Forbes. How are you? You rang. <laughs> we wanted to know uh, how the blueberries were coming along. <laughs> Unbelievable! Oh, uh, oh, I'm going to have trouble supporting the, uh, the bushes this year. Oh, that's a that's a good uh, a good problem to have, right? Yeah, I thought last year was uh, about 25 percent more than the year yep. before. Yeah. This year is just unbelievable. Maybe because I've done so much um, to preserve the pollinators. Oh. Oh. Basically, bumblebees. Bumblebees, yeah. And when you say you uh, preserve them, what are you doing? Well, I I bought some um, round bale. Uh huh. Yeah. And put them just on the outside of everything. And what happens, the mice go in there yeah. and tunnel in and make oh. a nest in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the bumblebees actually come uh, right in. They're attracted. And so they overwinter in it. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't realize it, but uh, all the bumblebees die except the queen. <laughs> and honeybees, of course, they can overwinter you yeah. know, in their supply. And well, they, they, they kick out all the drones, all the guys. And it's right, just... <laughs> right. It's, uh, it's quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. And then I put in some uh, um, flower patches too, away mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. Um, the blueberries, so I didn't have competition. Mm-hmm. And that's 
seem to help a lot, too. I haven't seen any monarchs, and that's the real thing. Oh, man. So they're a great pollinators also. Yeah, yeah. Well, what a crop. And, of course, mine, I, I chose a later variety because uh, I get late frosts. Uh-huh. And uh, if I had an earlier variety, and there are a lot of earlier varieties, but sure. uh, I would lose uh, the blossom set. Mm. Mm. So uh, mine don't come in. Mine won't be ready until August 10th. Oh, oh, wow. That is so a late variety. Jerseys, uh, which are an older variety. Oh, the jerseys, yeah, okay. Right. Oh, that's... And they may be a little earlier this year. Uh, of course, I do have trickle irrigation, so I can stay right up to it mm. there. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, there are a lot of different varieties now of blueberries, so it depends on where you live and whether they're sheltered or... Right. Yours are in an open field, though, right? Right. Yeah. Right. It's surrounded by woods, but it, yeah. it's still... Yeah. So the trickle... Low, so everything drains off the hill out of the orchard, so cold always settles to a, a low point. Mm-hmm. So the, the trickle irrigation, is that something that's on all the time, or you just is no, that on a timer? No, I, I pump from a pond with yeah. a very uh, sophisticated filter system. Uh-huh. Yeah, and they and just at the end of each line. I have uh, releases so that I can purge the whole line. Mm-hmm. Uh, the system I use uh, from Tricolese actually was made in Israel yeah. to be able to um, uh, irrigate the sand dunes yeah. in, in the desert. Wow! So it, um, the emitters are designed for pressure, so that no matter what elevation they're at, it's always the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they, they actually sift the sands, take the dirt out, and then put rows in, and then put trickle irrigation in those rows right on the sands. Wow. And grow things. Wow. Well, that's a, yeah, it's sure. amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, uh, so does that run, like, for a few hours every day, or is it a day a week? or? Blueberries need an inch of water a week uh-huh. during their, their set. Yeah. You've got to have that. You have to, because they're shallow-rooted. Yep. And, of course, we dry uh, tremendously. And if you have grass growing in heavy with it, that that takes a third of your water right out of the system just to supporting grass or mm. fertilizer. Mm-hmm. So if you're fertilizing and it calls for whatever it might be, you've got to add about another third because the grass will, will eat the fertilizer up and the plant won't get it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Just things that I've... You know, You've learned from experience, yeah. Follow my face with and get yep. up again. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, any other questions? I'm glad to help you. From my observations, that's all. Okay. Well, great. That's exactly what we were wondering about right there is how soon uh, uh, the blueberries would be ready. So July, August anyway. Uh, end of July. Uh, yeah, mine earlier will, you know, uh, blue ray and blue crop and some mm-hmm. of the others will be, uh, I'm sure, earlier. It depends on which uh, ones. I bought a grafting gun. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. And I'm starting to play with uh, actually grafting some different varieties um, onto each other. And they seem to have taken off real well. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, so I'm playing with that. That's, that's so, interesting. so you're grafting these onto the jerseys? Yeah. Uh, well, I've had some others that I put in earlier, right in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I've used those as like cross-pollination. Right, okay. And um, Colville, um, Northern, um, 
Oh, there's a whole bunch of things. Chippewa and a few others that, that I got. But I'm, I'm grafting some of the real great ones that came out of there. I've lost track of the actual names. And mm-hmm. I'm grafting some of those with the jerseys. Uh, hmm. And they've taken beautifully. And that's mostly just to... Uh, for pollination, or is it? Well, just to play with it, and also have one bush, let's say, with uh, four different blueberries on it. <laughs> Almost the same you do with an apple tree. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like fun. I, uh, yeah, you yeah. know, you can you can get those from uh, uh, the Stark Brothers. You know, those apple trees that have five different varieties on them. <laughs> I do. I have two of them that have uh, actually six. Yeah. And I put them, I put the limbs out on a trellis, uh-huh. uh, rather than going straight up, so I could get maximum amount of fruit, like they're doing with fruit trees planting today. They're they're uh, put everything on trellis, the mm-hmm. orchards and everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't climb trees anymore, liability wise, and you can get 450 uh, apple trees into an acre. It's amazing, isn't it? So production-wise, it's just tremendous. Yeah, yeah. I think those are is a wire trellis, right? Yeah, they use wire. I use uh, monofilament. Oh, okay. Because uh, yeah. I do get lightning and things like up, you know, things like that here. But if you use wire, you definitely want it grounded. <laughs> I can see your point. <laughs> I hadn't even Great thought of it. <laughs> exciting times. I guess so. Or, or yeah, really? Yeah, that would uh, shoot a little fertilizer into the ground. <laughs> oh, it sure will. Raspberries, I found, uh, are best on a V trellis. Okay. So I put, you know, a pole up and then put two cross arms. Yeah. And then divide the raspberries half one way with a, uh, and tape them onto it. And yeah. half the other way, it opens the whole center up because uh, they're very susceptible to disease. Yeah, what a great so idea. The more aer- aeration you can get, the, the better you're going to be able to Oh, that's disease. great. Uh, uh, thanks for mentioning that because I'm redoing mine right now, and that, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah, you can get a, what you call max taper. Mm-hmm. It's a little gun with a tape, tape on it. Yeah, yeah. And that works real good, but you put two... Two uh, lines on, one low, one high. Yeah. And then, of course, when you're renovating, and you new a fruit grows on new new wood, anyways. So right. You have to yeah. Renovate. Yeah. But that works good, and it really opens it up. And you don't wind up with uh, particular wilt and a whole mm-hmm. bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That okay. makes good sense. Well, Forbes, thanks for the call. I really yeah, appreciate anytime. it. Yeah. Right. All right. <laughs> Bye. Take care. Okay, so we've got school done, blueberries, and uh, a good note on the uh, raspberries. I like that. Like I said, I'm just about to redo my my actually my black uh, blackberries, mm. but uh, they're the same thing. They're they're susceptible to all kinds of fruit. Oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the time. Jeez, Joel. <laughs> well, it, it, really, time just flies by when we're having fun, and it's, I really did it, have fun today. Yeah, it, me too. Thoroughly enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thanks, Forbes. Thanks, everybody. For yeah, stopping for by. sure. All, all things. Okay, now, part of our Saturday celebration in a couple of weeks, when they block off Stowe Street, we'll be out in the street doing the program. We'll be outdoors and invite everybody. We'll, we'll be talking a lot more about that. Oh. Yes, indeed. Oh, I, I knew I'd be out in the street someday after <laughs> 
<laughs> Bring your bag. <laughs> yeah, right. But no, we're we're going to have a great uh, celebration, and we'll be talking more about that. But one, is that the Fourth uh, of July weekend? No, or? it's the one after. I believe it's the one after that. After okay, okay. all right. But Good. we'll talk specifically about that, so all I don't right. give any misinformation. Well, but, I'll be listening to the radio, so, so uh, I'm sure I'll catch it. And uh, to all our listeners, you'll have the opportunity to come visit and uh, participate mm-hmm. for a live. Well, I, I say remote broadcast, but uh, we'll just be throwing the wires out the window, and we'll be <laughs> we'll be out with uh, all fun and festivities Saturday uh, on one of these Saturday mornings here. See the that or just yell really high. Yeah, right. Well, that's what we normally do. Just you know, we go wireless when we uh, break the wires. That's what happens. But anyway, Joel, thank you. as usual, it's been a wonderful show, and thanks so much for. <laughs> and we're- We'll, we'll catch everybody once again next week. Next week. In the garden. In the garden. Inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row. Someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling.